0: I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show.
1: What makes my site a bit different than some of the other travel blogs out there is that I don't tell people where to go. In fact, I don't want to tell people where to go at all. I would like to tell a story about where I've been.
0: Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I am Mark Walsh, your host. And today we welcome in Jamie Edwards. Jamie runs a website called I I Am Lost and Found. Wait, is it a website or a blog? You say tomato, I say tomato. She calls it both and so do I. But the address is IamLostandFound.com. It's about travel. It's about culture. It's about aspirational hotels and resorts that you want to know about. We talk about Iceland. Who goes there? Where do you stay in Iceland? And you know what? One of my favorites talk about jet lag. And how do you cure jet lag? Everybody's had it, and she's got some ways to fix it. So, here's our conversation. Jamie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Nice to meet you, Mark.
0: Nice to meet you. So, the name. Uh, we'll get into sort of when, how, and why, but what what's the source of the name?
1: A lot of the travel I do is adventure and gear slightly towards luxury, and I wanted to find a website that name that really sort of defined how I was feeling about travel. And I really wanted it to be called Lost and Found. But of course that was taken. Of course. Um, I could buy it for a mere $5,000, but I felt like um, it was already destined to be a money pit, so I passed. Right. I was sitting on the beach with my husband, and he said, why don't you call it I Am Lost and Found? And I gave it some thought, well first I Googled it, it was not taken. And it really is better than Lost and Found yep. because it's a statement, and it really feels personal. So I think that that uh, ended up being a far better choice. I've been using it for the past, I guess, since 2018.
0: Excellent. So we're four years in, and the focus, as you mentioned, is is travel. But it seems like it's sort of broader than travel. Was the original idea literally to chronicle where you've been, what you like, what resort was the best, what airline you found, that, you know, they lost your luggage or stuff like that, more detailed? Or was it always broader than just your personal experience as a traveler?
1: It was actually always about my personal experience as a traveler because it started out as a creative outlet for me, having uh, done quite a bit of travel in the past 20 years. We had lived in Tokyo for four years, and I had found that people were starting to ask me a lot of questions. When you went to Buenos Aires, what was your favorite restaurant? Or... What hotel would you recommend in Iceland? And a girlfriend of mine— exotic. Wow. I know. That does sound—
0: Not like uh, Detroit or something. It's Iceland.
1: No, you're right. Well, of course, it's like we're on a podcast. I want to make it sound sexy. There you go. Uh, A girlfriend of mine from Tokyo said, people are constantly asking you for advice. Why don't you put it all together in one place, a website? Because I do like to write, I like to take photos, and I like to design. So I created it really as a passion project for myself to answer questions like that. And since then, it's really grown. And I think that what makes my site a bit different than some of the other travel blogs out there is that I don't tell people where to go. In fact, I don't want to tell people where to go at all. I would like to tell a story about where I've been. And then if someone finds that they like that story or it's uh, something that inspires them to travel, they have all the information to book it themselves. Got it. Uh, and that really stems from me not wanting to ever be responsible for someone's good time. I had time. <laughs> I had a good time at that hotel in Iceland. You may not, yeah. but it's your choice. I'm not going to tell you what to do.
0: Your mileage may vary. Well, that gets me to a question about the economic model. There's so many different ways people can operate a blog and get a couple of, for it, or maybe not. And it sounds like since you're not recommending a place, you would never be uh, polluted or at least swayed by a property saying, if you say nice things about me, I'll pay you back. So you're not in that business at all.
1: No, not at all. Yeah. I would really love to be invited to a property to write about it. But with the caveat, of course, that uh, I'm going to write honestly. Yeah. I'm not one of those people who's out for blood, though, if the service is a little off here and there, which things have been in the past, I might allude to it saying they may have had a few bad days or post-pandemic pains, but I'm not out to really diminish any sites. I want to talk about the good.
0: Well, how do you get visitors? I mean, what what are some tactics you've deployed, other than fantastic shows like this, Uh, to get uh, get eyeballs?
1: Well, it's been a very long, slow road, and luckily, I'm incredibly patient. Uh, I've always known this is going to be a long, slow game, but over the past uh, four years, I've definitely gained a lot of momentum. I post uh, a lot on Instagram. I get a lot of followers through there and I write a lot and I've built up my an email subscription list and I'm just kind of slowly moving along. I don't do any advertising on my site. I would say that uh, I'm going to remain patient yeah. and hope for maybe getting some press trips in the future. But my passion is really the writing and the foot, uh, photography.
0: What about TikTok? Are you involved at all in that?
1: I would if I understood anything about TikTok. Thank you.
0: I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad. I, I just heard a stat, which I'll, I'll toss out for our listeners and for you. Jamie Edwards, our guest today here on What's Working in Washington. Um, uh, uh, men and women under 23 or 22, a huge percentage, over 50%, consider TikTok their main source of news. News. That's so interesting. I mean, and I, look, I, I sound like a dramatically old fogey when I say this, but I, I actually don't get how you can consider TikTok news unless, which I think is what what it, my, my friends tell me, that there are a bunch of influencers or quote-unquote prominent personalities in TikTok who comment on what's happening around their world, and the viewer says, well, you know, I, Susie or Danny or, or whatever, you know, this sparkle person said that um, that global warming is a big deal. So they, they they deal with big topics, but based upon the opinion of effectively unvarnished and, and unvalidated sources. So um, forgive my rant about TikTok, but I'm glad we share some of the some of the challenges there, and that you have not found it a good marketing path. Well, pat- it's not that
1: I haven't found it a good marketing um, venue. It's really more that I'd have to deep dive into figuring out how to make it work for me. Yeah, I am not opposed to it. And I really wish that my uh, 18-year-old daughter were not abroad right now so that I could have her help me out with it. Yeah. So maybe I'll wait for her to get home because I do think that it is the next way for me to go. Um, I do use LinkedIn to promote. I use Facebook to promote a lot of my pieces. And I find that that is, again, um, just a few channels. But I think TikTok would be great. I just do need some help with it.
0: It's a big deal. um, And it's... Wish it was owned by a US company, but it's not. What the heck, we're in a global world. We're talking with Jamie Edwards. Jamie runs a blog called I Am Lost and Found. It focuses on travel, culture, and a lot of things that are important to her, and, and photography, as you mentioned, you fantastic shots on it. So we've joked about Iceland and exotic places, but in your travels, have you gone to more mundane cities? Like, what's the best, do people say, what's the best place in Cincinnati? Or you really try and focus on destinations with resorts or resort capacity?
1: I look for places that are aspirational. I have found in the past that when I've written about something that – I'm not saying Cincinnati is mundane.
0: <laughs> For the record.
1: But I don't think that I would get that many views. Yeah. In the past, when I, I once wrote a piece that was about windsurfing in Baja. I don't windsurf, but my family does. Yeah. And it was very low-key, very um, very economical place. I don't even know if they had electricity. But
0: wow. anyway,
1: it was very small, very um, – rustic and super adventurous, but not at all any luxury. And I wrote about it and it was my least kind of looked at article. Mm -hmm. So I think my niche is where people want to aspire to that balance of luxury and adventure, inspiring places Mm -hmm. that really taught me a little bit of a lesson that I have to sort of stick to what people, at least the people who are following me want to read about. And even if they can't necessarily afford that, Hotel in that resort in Mexico, they aspire to it. So there's something about it that yeah. is still appealing.
0: So the combination of travel and I mean, sir, of um, of uh, you said luxury and adventure. Some might say that's an oxymoron. So how do you? First of all, you've clearly found places that sort of hit both of those buttons to some extent. How do you how do you find places to successfully join those two events or th- those two experiences?
1: Well, I do a lot of research. I keep up with all the magazines, Travel and Leisure, Nat Geo Travel, Condé Nast. I am one of those people who deep dives into little snippets when I read about them in the New York Times. Yeah. And so I am focused on that. I'm looking for it. But these days with travel, especially, I think that people are looking for something a little bit different than pure luxury, From what I've noticed, a lot of places do pure luxury, five-star service, opulent gold, lots of bells and whistles. Yeah. And that's for a certain segment of people, um, which is great. But I think that there is something to be said for having a Michelin-starred meal after you've just summited this amazing mountain. Got it. So you've earned your right to eat that lovely meal.
0: Yeah. How many of these places have you been to? How many do you hope to go to? Like, where are you on the scale of— writing and experiencing?
1: Well, oh, that's such a good question.
0: Not enough, I'm sure. You, you There's you... never
1: going to be enough time to go to all the places I'd like to go. Yeah. So I do have to be choosy uh, and do quite a bit of research. I do like to find places that people haven't quite gone yet. Yeah. So as an example, we went to Costa Rica maybe 10 years ago and for our spring break with our kids. And at that time, it wasn't really a popular spring break wasn't destination. A thing. Yeah. And then before you knew it, within three to four years is very popular. So I do like to see if I can get in places before they become very popular because then I get to write about it and expose people to it uh, before everyone else is. So another example, well, also in Central America, uh, we went to Nicaragua about six years ago. No, I wouldn't say everybody's rushing off to Nicaragua, but it was a little bit of a less discovered location. Yeah, and great for surfing, and it was sort of to us the next Costa Rica, and next group on my list, I'd love to go to Bolivia. Talking about that part of the world. Wow. So, so this
0: is cutting edge. So we should uh, we should invest in Bolivian uh, real estate <laughs> or something.
1: I don't know because I my follower account would not really uh, show that you could you could bank on that except that. I do find that those are the kinds of places that I'm researching and saying to myself, these kind of have this right balance of adventure and luxury.
0: Yeah. Once again, we're talking with Jamie Edwards. She runs a blog called I Am Lost and Found about travel, culture, adventure. And the reason she's on What's Working in Washington is that she's based in Washington. But her time and her passion and her writing and her uh, her expertise is anywhere but Washington, D.C. When we come back want to talk about the travel itself the airlines all the process to get to these amazing places because I'm sure you have some wonderful stories bad and good on that (laughs) end as well so it's what working in Washington I'm your host Mark Walsh with Jamie Edwards we'll be back after this Every week on What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a D.C. insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. So thanks for listening. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. Many of our guests have come to us from others who say, Hey, if your show's about people who are really getting things done in the region, you should really be talking to dot, dot, dot. And we love bringing those new voices to our audience. We look forward to hearing from you. Happy to have Jamie Edwards with us here in the studio. Jamie is the author, starter, and operator of a blog called I Am Lost and Found, with a focus on travel, culture, and all sorts of elements of our world and our nation. So we've been talking a lot about the aspirational places that you've covered or would like to go to and have enjoyed, some of them rustic, like your example in Baja, I guess it was right, and then Mm -hmm. some of them far more luxurious with satin sheets and all that. But let's talk about the process of getting there, because it's so simple to bash travel. Um, You clearly traveled a lot. I have traveled a gazillion miles on business and some in pleasure. And everyone's got their nightmare stories. But especially post-COVID, with staffing and other elements of the airport experience and the airline experience and the masks and people getting punched in the airlines, (laughs) it seems like they've reached a whole new level of challenge for for the experience. What are some ways that your your uh, your visitors, your eyeballs, or you yourself have found the travel experience changed forever or you hope is self-healing and may come back?
1: Well, I do hope it comes back. I have found that I have changed some of my tactics recently. For instance, now uh, carry-on only. We went for two weeks. Only. We went to Corsica for two weeks this summer, and each of us only took a carry-on because it's just, they joke, the summer of lost luggage, yep. all this terrible you didn't want to take that chance, and it is kind of interesting how little you need to to have on a vacation, right? Especially a warm weather one. Yeah, that's definitely uh, something that's changed for us. Um, but giving a lot more layover time than we thought we'd need right. is another thing we do now. Yeah, we tend to fly um, where we have the most miles, which I think is some a tactic most people employ. I like to stick to one airline as much as possible to gain status. Because then it helps make the check-in process so much more seamless when you can check in. what airline is that? We use United. I
0: was about to guess that. Okay. We
1: use United. And even though um, sometimes, even if we're not traveling business class, which most of the time we do not, we can still check in on the business class line because of status. And that is a huge help when you are getting to an airport and there are 4,000 people ahead of you. Yeah. Um, I also use Clear and Global Entry. I have both. Um, depending on what line is quicker. So those are some things we do just at the airport level. So
0: let's talk about Clear. Um, I joined and my lovely bride and I both joined about a year ago. Look, it's not free, right? So, but I got to tell you, I, I don't know about where you are. Every time I use it, I'm like, it's worth every penny.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. It is. It's only domestic, but that's right. fine. You don't need to even take your ID out of your wallet. Eyeball. Uh, I do the yes, eyeball I eye- Eyeball, and then they walk you to the front of the line, and you breeze through, and yeah. if you're... Clear and TSA. That's even like you know, that's the jackpot.
0: Belts and suspenders, exactly. <laughs> or no, and global entry, of course. That yes. you use that for the international yeah. th- travel. So United, not to put you on the spot, but are there other airlines that you've had positive experiences on, or others that have been absolutely universally crappy? Spirit, I assume, is the number one crappy. If you've flown Spirit, but that's- I
1: don't, I don't have any. Uh, I wouldn't say any that are crappy. Definitely not. But I would say I've had good experiences on Cutter uh, when really? we had flown to Africa. Wow, um, that was an uh, from the food and from the service. I also we used to travel to and from uh, Japan, and sometimes we would use um, other than United would use Jal. Yeah, but and I think that that was also very good service. But I I do have to say we, we pretty much stick to United or JetBlue if it's something local. Understood. And th- that's where we we keep our miles.
0: Did you ever fly El Al? No. Yeah. Oh no, but I-, I. I did. It was. It's amazing. I mean, look. I, it, it, you bring up Cutter, domestic airlines. Here, we all know, but international uh, uh, carriers sometimes they just have incredible experiences. Yes. And not just you know, the old British Air and all that, but Cutter, LAL. The experience I had was incredible. By the way, to me, you, you experience this and you come back and you board, you know, the Delta flight again to Cincinnati. I'll use that my <laughs> my punching bag city. But you're kind of like. What what happened? Like what, what happened to the to the to the fun? What happened exactly. to the experience? <laughs> the other part, just to touch on is is the travelers that travel today domestically. I think COVID made us all angrier. Have you had sort of a higher level of tension or or uh, uh, tough stuff happen in some of your travels recently?
1: I have not recently, but I have had a lot of cancellations. Yeah. And that is, you know, definitely par for the course these days. I have noticed that people have sort of forgotten their manners as far as deplaning. I mean, isn't it where every kind of like a zipper goes off, you know, each row one at a time. Every flight I'm on, someone from row 45 is running down the aisle with their bag, trying to get past everybody. And I find I'm a rule follower. So for me, that really bugs me when people do that. I almost want to say something to them. I hold it in because I don't want to embarrass my family. Yeah. But I find that people have really lost their manners. It's okay if someone says, um, I'm about to miss my flight. Can I pass right. through by all means? Yeah. But absolutely. Uh, so I ha- I think it's changed overall in every, every layer of travel.
0: So you lived in New York City for a number of years and you lived in Japan, in Tokyo, right? For a number of years and then came back here to the Washington DC area. Are there properties in New York or Tokyo that are memorable to you? Obviously, as a resident, you probably weren't staying in the Mandarin or in New York or whatever. But now that you have the perspective of being a former resident, are there places there that you might recommend?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, for sure. Put you on the
0: spot. I'm sorry. Uh,
1: Well, I do go still to New York City every so often to see a show or to meet up with friends. One of my favorite restaurants is uh, Avra. It's Greek. There's a few of them. Got it. The one that's off Madison Avenue is still my favorite. Uh, there's another restaurant um, I like called Le Cuckoo, which is very kind of shishi fancy. Yep. Worth the splurge. Um, worth
0: the splurge. I'm going to use that phrase. I like it.
1: Uh, but then we had our Dive 72, which was on the street we lived, and that was sort of our grungy dive bar. Yeah. As far as Tokyo, I mean, there's just too many to list. They do food well everywhere. What about
0: hotels, though? You you found any? Go ahead. I'm sorry, but the best best spots.
1: We um, were really partial to the Grand Hyatt in Roppongi, because when we first moved to Tokyo, we had to wait for our um, shipment to come, and we were put up in that hotel, the Grand Hyatt. So to me, it sort of felt like the womb. Yeah. Uh, and it was a 10-minute walk from our apartment and had wonderful restaurants like the Oak Door. That would be where I'd recommend anyone to stay. Uh, the Park Hyatt's also very popular because of Lost in Translation. Right. But to me, the Grand Hyatt's where my heart is.
0: So a couple of more things we're going to talk about before we wrap up with Jamie Edwards. She, she is the uh, founder and progenitor of IAmLostAndFound.com, a blog about travel and culture. So you have a wonderful area about jet lag. Uh, And how to cure it. You claim to have found the secret sauce. So give our listeners some thoughts on ways to avoid jet lag, not domestically from coast to coast, but the longer, longer haul stuff that you've enjoyed and, and experienced.
1: Sure. And I will say that this is what works for me. And this is the tactics we employ in our family. Yeah. Um, somewhat draconian at times. None of what I'm saying is uh, rocket science, but the order and the way I do it is what works for us. Got it. Uh, I am, uh, especially we try, tend to do our flights that are long haul, even to Europe, um, night flights. Okay. 6 p.m., 8 p.m., 10 p.m. Right.
0: Arriving so that, at 6 a.m. or whatever. The exactly. Next, yeah.
1: So that you can sleep on the plane. Uh, I will say that now that my kids are 16 or 18, they do not listen to anything I say anymore. But Shocking. when they were three and yeah. five, um, this is what we did. Um, I set the clock, all my watches, clocks to the destination we're going to the minute we get on the plane.
0: Okay. And just
1: pretend that that's what time it is. Yep. That is one thing that I, I, I'm i pretty uh, dead set on. So I also tell them nobody to look at any clocks. Like, don't look at your flight map clock. Don't look at the time and origin versus the time and destination. I... Keep my eyes closed. Yep. And then I try to have dinner before I board the plane so I can get on the plane, put my sleep mask on, my earplugs in and Conk go to out. sleep. That's another big thing for me. I really feel strongly about not watching TV. They say don't drink alcohol. I draw the line there. I'm going to have a glass of wine. On Got the it. Plane. Yeah. Uh, but I do go right to sleep as soon as I possibly can wake up, have breakfast, and pretend that that's what it is. Yeah. And so that, for me, is uh, how we do it. And then when we get to our destination, we tell our kids, this is the time it is, and if it's nighttime, go to bed. Go to bed.
0: <laughs> I don't care what you feel like. Go to bed. You also uh, mentioned, I think very importantly, go to the loo, because sometimes you, <laughs> you find out too late with long lines. All right, so let's, let's uh, wrap up with a couple of topics before we get to our final question for you as a guest, and that is amenities at spots you've been to that you – you want to keep. I noticed you had one place, it was a scarf, I guess, and there was some sort of bespoke glassware. You must see some interesting stuff. Is this for purchase or you found it somehow found its way into your suitcase or both?
1: Well, I will say some things make it into my suitcase, but I mentioned I'm a rule follower. Yes. So I'm not going to take anything I'm not allowed Understood. to. Understood. Uh, but I did do some research for this article and people will steal just about, steal, take, borrow just about anything in a yeah. hotel room, including artwork, Vases. Yeah. Uh, but I have found that um, when we stayed at this place called Amangiri in Utah, they had these beautiful um, throws, blankets uh, yeah. called Sfera. And I went home and bought them right away. Got it. Among other things at other hotels where I went to research them so I could later buy them.
0: Yeah. Well, also um, some of the luxurious shampoos and conditioners. The shampoo at the Breakers was so luxurious. What I- was it? I don't even know the brand. I, sh- I should. I still have the little bottle in my shower. I haven't actually used it all. It's so. It's like a treat. I, I give myself a Breaker shampoo maybe once every <laughs> two or three months just to sort of remember. I went to a lovely wedding that we went to there. But but these high end places sometimes have almost like bespoke types of, of stuff. I, anyway, we're I'm obviously I'm babbling about some of the high quality stuff. But I'm just I love travel and I love what your what your blog is all about. Listen, Jamie. So at each time at this time in the show. We ask our guests a kind of world domination, world-changing question. So, if you ran the world for a period of time, what's one thing you might start happening, or make start make happen, or something you might stop uh, and deny ever occurring again?
1: So, I really am against texting while driving. Ah. it's something that it makes me so upset in D.C., especially driving around because you pull up next to somebody in a car and they're always texting at a stop sign, a stoplight. So I had had this idea to come up with this little um, thing that I made, like a sign. And if I saw someone next to me, I'd lift it up and it would say something like, stop texting, you will kill someone, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, but my family thought that I would in turn possibly get killed for doing that. So, Road rage. Yeah. yeah so I, um, all I can say is they, they, they told me not to do it and I haven't. But I'm very anti texting and driving, and I do get really upset when I see uh, people on the road
0: doing it. It's an excellent answer because it is fatal in some tragic situations and certainly makes driving more dangerous than it should be. Jamie Edwards, great conversation. Once again, the website is I Am Lost and Found, the blog that she runs. Thanks for being on our show today.
1: Thank you very much, Mark.
0: on what's working in Washington. We talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by the sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.